0: We'll start in 1 Peter 1, and we'll read there. This is the first book of Peter, and we'll read from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. He's begotten us again. He begat us. He's begotten us Again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. To an inheritance incorruptible. Just pause there for a second. Leave that on the screen. To an inheritance incorruptible. He has begotten us in Jesus Christ. He has begotten us. So you are the begotten of of Jesus, uh, in Jesus, of God. You are the children of God through Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, you are a child of God helping you make this plain and simple. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are a child of God. So if any Christian tells you that there are multiple ways to get to heaven, he is a universalist and not a Christian. There is a difference. The Christian believes that the only way to the father is through Jesus Christ. You don't get saved because you are good. You don't get saved because you help poor people. You're not good because you uh, have a fund that funds the SPCA to an incorruptible inheritance. Your inheritance is incorruptible. Any inheritance, I was talking to my son yesterday and we were talking about inheritance. I said to him, don't expect to inherit anything. <laughs> I would love to leave him something, but I said to him, as we grew up in my house, my parents were very, very wealthy and very broke at multiple ups and downs through life. Because my dad was an, uh, a businessman and he took risks and sometimes the risks paid off in business and sometimes because of the macro environment, it failed. So don't expect an inheritance because although my father had much at one time, he died and he lived comfortably, but I don't care that he left me anything because I don't, I didn't receive anything after his, his passing away as an inheritance and I don't care. It didn't affect me positively or negatively. My inheritance is in the intelligence and... and, and ways of business that he could teach me, the ways he, he taught me. So, But our inheritance is not secure that we leave to our children because anything can happen in a government. A war can happen and your inheritance that you leave behind can be uh, voided very easily. What it says there is that this inheritance is incorruptible. Nothing can go wrong with this inheritance. But watch what it says. Undefiled and that does not fade away. Where is this inheritance? Reserved in heaven for you. So, most people think that, that Christianity buys you a life on the earth that, and that's what most people look to, and it's based on what they think it buys for them on the earth that helps them choose the level of commitment to it. If God was to give you a million bucks because you're a Christian, you think we would have any seat open in any church, in any location? That's not what God leaves you. He leaves you or he provides for you an inheritance, which is reserved for you in heaven. Now, God being all-knowing, omnipotent, omniscient, he, he, God all-knowing, knows all things. For him to decide to leave the inheritance for you in heaven, he must know something about what he is leaving behind for you that he doesn't give it to you here. So what you go through here cannot measure up to what God has for you you're after in, in heaven. And that inheritance is in heaven. And that's why you as a Christian have to have faith, because if you don't, if, if, if what you were to get from God is received here, in part, the kingdom manifests and in part, you do get things that happen here because of the kingdom. But the bulk of Christianity is what is reserved for you in the life hereafter in heaven by God, the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ reserved for us in heaven. Now you can't have that and pursue that with a proper Christian lifestyle without faith. Because if everything I want, I have, why would I need faith? Because faith replaces the physical thing. Faith is the substance of the things not seen. So when I don't see it, I replace that thing with faith and say, I have it, although I don't see it. So that reserved in heaven, I can't see. So on earth, I function in faith as though I have that already. Because the Bible says that I am seated in heavenly places on the right hand side of the father with Jesus Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places. I don't feel like I'm seated in heavenly places, but I have to believe that I'm seated, not will be seated. I am seated in heavenly places. So, so when I deal with issues in marriage and deal with issues in my children, deal with issues in my finances, I deal from this seated position in heavenly places. Although I stand in the middle of this issue, in reality, in fact, and in truth, I am seated in heavenly places. So it says here, to an inheritance incorruptible undefiled that does not fade away is reserved in heaven for you. So your perception And the way you live your Christianity has an effect and it's easy if that effect is not seen because most people put it out of mind because you can't see it. The worst kind of business that that you can do is to be paid before you have to do it. Have you you ever done anything that you got paid before you had to do it? And then your mother says to you, I'll give you a hundred bucks and then you have to clean your room. But you get the 100 bucks, you go to the shopping mall, you spend it, then you go home, and then you have to clean the room. It just doesn't have the same feel to it. Then having to clean your room, knowing that you'll get the 100 bucks. Most people don't know that their inheritance is coming. And for that reason, don't care much about how they take every step. If you know the balance of your inheritance is tied to how you live your life. Wouldn't that make you more careful about what you say? I would rather err on the side of caution than make a mistake on my lackadaisiness in terms of my Christianity. I would rather not want to make a mistake. And so I would rather be more cautious about how I say a thing, how I talk to people, how I walk this thing out, make judgment calls and don't do the proper research. Because I want to make sure that when I take these steps, there is something that's coming for me that I have to pay attention to. Watch. <clears throat> Blessed be the God of Father uh, from the uh, hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and to does not fade away, reserved for us in heaven, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now I want you to jump with me to 2 Peter. We're going to read all the way up and get to verse 9. Therefore, You can try and put this on the screen. Let's see if this works out or doesn't. If I'm still connected, I don't think I'm connected. Yes, there we go. Is it on the screen? Not yet. Okay, never mind. Just put it on the screen for us and let's read from 1 Peter 2. Therefore laying aside all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. It's amazing that we can read this verse in verse Peter 2 and not consider any of ourselves speaking evil. It says, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Why don't we we ever consider our words evil speaking? It's only outside people that are people who speak evil. It's never us. We should be very careful. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Next verse. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So how do you grow? By the word of God as newborn babies. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, coming to him, and I want to read it slowly with you from this point, coming to him, as a living stone, coming to him as a living stone, to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, precious. you also as a living stone. So Jesus was a living stone rejected by men. Now you, a living stone are being built up. Maybe we missed it there in verse four, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. You, a living stone. So you have to underline that in your Bible. You are a living stone, but you are not. That's not where it stops. You are a living stone, full stop. You as a Christian is a living stone being built up. You are being built up. A spiritual house, a holy priesthood. A spiritual house, a holy priesthood. So what does that say of you? You have to read this slowly. You are a living stone. You are a living stone. A living stone has to be built up into. So you are never to function as a Christian by yourself. How can you read the Bible and think that Christians can function in isolation, lone rangers? I need no one, just Jesus. You are a living stone, but you as a living stone has no meaning, nor purpose, nor fulfill anything if you're not built into something. So, So watch this. You are being built up a spiritual house. Now, one of the things I've noticed about a house is it doesn't have legs. Houses very rarely move. But most Christians are like chameleons. They change shape, not like living stones. They change shape and form and color wherever in whichever community they're in. Now, if you're built up into a house, then you know the structure that you function in. A spiritual house, how, why would he use the, 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 the is, it, is it right to say a metaphor, this picture to explain what happens to your life? Why would he use house? Could God not use sand or other things in nature? He, he uses the, the word house. House is not something that occurs naturally. A house is not something that comes out of the ground and just is there. You're not a fox and dives into the, the soil and in a in a hole in the ground. A house is something that is built up with intention and meticulously after a plan and with a purpose to fulfill a specific thing. You are a living stone that's built up into this household, the spiritual house. You are built into a spiritual house. A house is something that cannot be moved, has an intention. So if you are all living stones built up into this house, how do we get the right to tell another living stone that they're not in the right place or they're wrong? They're not from God. What they do is false. How do we talk about other things if we can't find our position within the structure and the body of Christ? 21 of the Bible books of the new Testament, at least deals with the church. Why would God use so much of the new Testament to deal with the church? He talks to Timothy, Timothy is addressed to Timothy, but he talks to Timothy about the church of Timothy stewards. Why would God deal so much with the church and not with individual? So he says you're built up into a spiritual, watch what else he says about you, a holy priesthood. So everybody in this room, like it or not, you're not in a Catholic church, although you're part of the Catholic church, which means the universal church of Jesus Christ. You're not a Catholic by denominational terms. You're part of the universal church of Jesus Christ. You're not a Catholic, but you're a priest. And if you're sitting here, no matter what you do, wherever you walk as a Christian, you are a priest, like it or not, you're a priest. And we have, we have a skewed perception of says there, there, a holy priesthood. You, you put your hand on your chest, me, mm. a living stone. Being is continuous tense, right? I'm not an English teacher, but is that continuous tense? Being, so you not have been built in, you are being built in. So you, me, I'm a living stone being built in. So God is appealing to my understanding every Sunday, every Monday, every time I open the Bible, every time I have to do with Christianity, He's appealing to my understanding. And that shifts me somehow into understanding that I'm being built in to a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. So everybody in this room, not the pastor, because we like blaming the pastor. Not me, I don't care. Not just me. Every single one of you are part of this priesthood. A holy priesthood. To offer up what? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, so that word too, just go back to it. Why are you this? Why are you this? Living stones built into a spiritual house, holy priesthood. Then the two says those three things. You have those things. That's what I wanted to highlight for you. You have these three things and the word two explains what those three things are supposed to do. So if you are a living stone built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood two, go back. Oh, is it still there? Two offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God. If it puts the word acceptable, do you think Jesus, uh, the word is the inspired word of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit inspired. And so, do you think God just uses excess words to, to fill the, it's like you writing your, your um, thesis, and you know you have to have this number of words in there, and you're just putting in descriptive words. Who's done that in Afrikaans? All of us. I believe on my boom. I believe boom to, In I look for him, I look for up and off. I believe om om. No wonder she thought I'm going to go work for pick and pay. Your sacrifices may be unacceptable, Cain and Abel. It's possible that your sacrifices may be unacceptable because he wants sacrifices acceptable to God. There must be then sacrifices that are unacceptable to God, Cain and Abel. He accepted the one, defi- denied the other one. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture: "Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious." This is Jesus, and he who believes on him will be. And he who believes on him will be, will be by no means put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe. Therefore, to you who believe. To you who believe. To all Christians, this holy priesthood these living stones who are built in, you will not be put to shame. God says to you, although the world on the outside looks at you and tells you, you are crazy, you will not be put to shame. If you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, Jesus says to you, you are a living stone and I'm building you into this household of faith. You're a holy priesthood. And I'm telling you, I'm leaving for you an inheritance kept safe that cannot be corrupted, that is in heaven and you will not be put to shame. That's what he says in this preceding verses, right? Right? To you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which... So the, he puts it in two categories. He, he now begins to split it. Those who believe and those who don't believe. To those who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So there are those that believe Jesus to them is precious. If Jesus to you is precious, you fall in the first category a holy priesthood. If you don't believe this, it'll be reflected in everything else you do. Just like the Pharisees had Jesus and rejected him, not knowing he is the chief cornerstone. Watch. Next verse. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Now, he's become a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Now, how do you think the devil will position these two things in the lives of people who are blinded by their own hardness of heart. Go back to that verse, a stumbling block and a rock of offense. How many Christians are there walking around offended at scripture? There are Christians out there proclaiming to be Christians, but offended at the chief cornerstone. When God says, don't do this, uh, that doesn't mean me. That means you. I can move in with my girlfriend and not be married because the sanctity of marriage is not important as you say it is. I don't have to do that. And, And when you as a pastor tell me that I can't move in with my girlfriend, you're offending me. I'm not offending you. There's a scripture offending you. When I tell you that you shouldn't be a drunkard, you should stop abusing alcohol. I don't mind if you have a glass of wine or you have a a beer every now and then, and you have that, and and it's within the legal limits. But the moment you go beyond that and you sort of begin to lose self-control, and I tell you to stop that, and you get offended with me, it's not me offending you, it's the Scripture offending you. Because that statement doesn't come from, I don't want you to drink, I don't care if you drink. It comes from Jesus saying, do not be drunk drunk of wine, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. It comes from a myriad of other places. Uh, In Proverbs where it says, I think it says, it's like a viper uh, wine that will bite you. The, the scripture has become a stumbling block. So what we have in society, is this too much? This is okay. What we have in society, it's becoming more evident is a division of those who consider Jesus precious and therefore act and walk and move like a holy priesthood who believes that they have an inheritance. If I don't have an inheritance, I don't really care much about how I treat the people that that is in front of me. What do I get from it? Careless and reckless about what is to come. The same as Esau, because God says in the New Testament, I think in Hebrew, and Esau he hated. Esau sold his birthright for a pot of stew. His birthright ensured an inheritance. He sold his inheritance, what he was supposed to have, for a pot of stew. And Esau, God, hated so when you don't consider this future inheritance kept safe, uncorruptible in, he- in heaven as precious to you in Jesus Christ and act as if it's nothing, you fall in that category. It's a stone and a stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word. When I reject half of the scriptures and I, I eject myself from being built in, because I find an issue with doctrine, things that are not related to being saved. If, you have a, if, if we disagree about Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected, you're not a Christian. That's obvious. If we are divided on the, on, uh, divide on the, the lines of was Jesus resurrected on the th- third day, bodily resurrected. If you don't agree with that, that's not a doctrinal dispute. If we disagree on, on uh, what shall I say? Speaking in tongues, you'll still go to heaven, but now if I use speaking in tongues, for instance, to say, I don't like what they're doing, it makes me feel uncomfortable since when did your comfort become a measure of truth? When they pray for people and people fall over, I'm uncomfortable, must be false. But you're also comfortable when you sin, but that's not a measure of that truth. People are confused. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they are also, to which they also were appointed. Okay, I don't want to talk about that It's predestination. But you are a chosen, this is what I want to get to, a chosen generation. Maybe I should talk about predestination. People, Calvinists say, Calvinists say that before you were born, This is where I have a complete disregard for Calvinism. Calvinists say, before you were born, God chose you to be saved. You had no say in it and you are only saved because God chose you to be saved. Now, if your brother is not saved, it is because God did not choose him to be saved. Now, following that reason that if you are a baby born and somehow die as a baby, some babies will go to heaven and some babies will not go to heaven. It depends on had God chosen them to go to heaven. This violates many, many scriptures. How I want to tell you, and I thought about this, if I were to take, so how did God before time know that you would be saved? He, is, he has foreknowledge. But if I were to take a bunch of smarties in my hands, I don't know, if, I didn't think this well through, but let's say this. And this table is the grace of God. And the floor is not choosing the grace of God, accepting the grace of God. And God takes the smarties and he says, everyone that is in Jesus Christ will be saved. That's also God choosing because God chose everyone in Christ. And I take the smarties and I throw it like this and some of them fall off and some of them stay on the table. Those on the table is chosen because before I did that, I said, everyone on the table will be chosen. Because I want, to, I want to take everyone on the table. So when I take those on the table, are they not chosen? So grace is freely extended to every single person on this planet. The grace gift of Jesus Christ is extended. Do you want Jesus to be your Lord and savior? If you take it, then you were chosen to take it. If you don't take it, because you did not take it, you're not part of the chosen. It's not God forcing you to take it or not take it. You have the choice. Does that make enough sense? Now, he says in verse nine, but you are a chosen generation. As a Christian built into this household of faith, let us begin walking around like we are chosen. You are, it's like, have you ever seen a first team rugby player? Walk out of skis. I can't no rugby spiel. That guy walks around. It's not even rugby season. He still has his jersey on. You can mention the word ball in front of you, like ball. <laughs> and I might not be portraying that well because I wasn't in first team. I was in C team. We had more fun. But you are a chosen generation. You are chosen by God. You are set apart. You are chosen. When you walk as a Christian, it's not a crutch, it's a privilege. You're not second rate. It's the Bible likens it to a, a piece of wood in the fire that has been pulled out. The Afrikaans have word a smil. Is it smil? What would be, what would it be in English? Smoldering. Like a piece of wood still smoldering. That's how you got saved. That is by the grace of God. You were pulled out of hell and fire. Your heart should be. Thank God for that. Now we have Christian God. Oh, I want to thank God, but it's broke. Oh, it's Adam. Thanks Leah oh. Leck. My order fell. light, but don't you No. It's bliss. I'm blessed, but I'm blessed. Yeah. Simple. But you are a chosen people. Walk around looking at. Because nobody wants... I said to my children, this is how I train them. Military training. Because every kid has to go through the process of making friends. It's a hard thing. I said to Rika, whatever you do, whatever you do, Whatever you do, even if it hurts, make it look like fun. Because if you make it look like fun, other people are going to go like, I call to Because they don't know what to do. Just like you don't know what to do, they don't know what to do. And when you make yours look like you know what you're doing, that you're going to attract them to you. Make it look, so if you walk around as a Christian, that life sucks, you're, you're broke, It's are Allah Alles is verkeerd. And you tell your brother, you should be a Christian to your brother's going to go like, om so like." I'm in hell. Walk around with your shoulders back. You are chosen by God. You're a holy priesthood. You are set apart by God. You have a God that loves you. Amen. 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 If you are standing, give God a proper praise. We are chosen by God. Hallelujah. But watch what it says sit down for a second. Let me tell you, let me show you what it says. It says, I I told you, you are priests, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are no longer, the Bible says, I, I, I don't know where it says it, but it says it. We are no longer Greek nor Jew, male nor female in Christ Jesus. This deals with identity. And if you have an identity crisis, you should read this verse. I'm no longer, people People um, consider their nationality their identity. My nationality is Christian. I'm a Christian that stays in South Africa. I care not for South Africa. I care for Christianity in South Africa. If God put me in America, I would be a Christian that is an American. I'm not an American that's also a Christian. And people confuse this. I'm not a white man that is a Christian. I'm a Christian that now is a white man. And if you're a black man, you're a Christian, that is a black man and Christianity dominates your behavior, not your ethnicity. Your skin color doesn't determine your behavior. Your dominant identity feature. I- identifies the culture. So we say there is a difference between white people and black people's culture. You shouldn't care less for culture if you're a Christian. Because when you're a Christian, you're a new creation and your old culture should submit to your Christianity. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy nation. It means that if you're a living stone built into a household of faith, we now become a priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen generation. We become a nation unto ourselves. This is Christianity. Now this comes from, and I don't have time to go through the whole dissect the whole first Peter and two Peter, but it deals with Israel being God's chosen people, having rejected the cornerstone and now the church not replacing Israel. Israel is still included in God's master plan, the nation of Israel, but the church now has the promises given to Israel in the church. The church now is the benefactor of the same promises given to Israel, God's people. And as God's people, we are the church, the church universal, and the church manifesting the universal church, operating and functioning in the local church settings across the world. It says you are a holy nation, his own, his own special people. You are God. You are special, in the special kind of way. You are God's own special people. You may pro- now. Now he puts the, that there. Now just put the uh, King James version of the same thing there. 1 Peter 2 9, King James Version. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. A peculiar people. Now, the word peculiar has its roots in, in Latin. And in the old days, it was used to uh, they spread the word out. If you go look at the etymology of the word, it's pec, which means, I think, cattle and belonging to. Now, many other words, even in the financial sector, came from that. And it means a a possession. The word peculiar today means strange or to stand out. When you say somebody is peculiar, he is strange or he stands out. And I say that word still has that meaning in that sentence. But the dominant theme of that means, because that's why in the New King James, it translated God's own special people. Peculiar people. When God says, you are his people, his own special people, King James. King James. King James. Yes. His own peculiar people. a Peculiar people. You are a peculiar. God's own possession. So what, what does that, what type of comfort should that give you if you have faith that you are God's people? How, how would you... Be God's people. If you function all on yourself, scattered, like you have no purpose, no meaning, no intention, no future, no hope, no goal, because any Christian that functions outside of the kingdom of God and his order and his structures towards a set goal, what are you doing? You're a Christian, but what are you working for? Now you're working to build your company. How does that relate back to God's kingdom? It makes me rich. Yes. And then what? Then I'm rich. To do what? No, I'll sew back into the church. When God gives me 10 million, I'll sew back into. What a nice deal. So you, you are bribing God that if he gives you 10 million rand, you'll give him a hundred thousand. How much will he give him? And most people violate those deals anyway. What is your life purpose? If your inheritance is kept for you in heaven, but all of your, your goals and settings is for yourself. A company, if you have a company that means it's a large company, you have hundred employees. Those hundred employees don't stay at their houses, do what they want, show up every now and then. Do you think your company would succeed? Now we're own peculiar special people that is set apart for God for a specific purpose. What is that purpose? How, can you point to your purpose? Now my purpose is to show up in church. Now it's how, where did you get to that point where you just show up at church on Sunday? How could that be your life as a Christian? Nowhere did I read there that the pastor is a peculiar person, a priest set apart. You are the priests set apart, peculiar people, God's own special people, to to bring glory. But watch what it says there. That this explains a chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, a peculiar people. That 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 word that there explains why to show, you can go back to New King James, that ye, that you may proclaim the praises of him, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. You can't do that. If you're a living stone, not built in, if you don't have an eye on your inheritance, if you don't realize that you're a priest set apart and holy, that you're a peculiar people, a group of people bought and paid for by Christ Jesus, What you need to do is look around this room and say, that's my brother, that's my brother, that's my... I don't like him, but he's still my brother. I don't like him, my brother. Brother, 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 brother. What we go like is, We don't have those scales. Brother, 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 brother. Family. I don't get to choose as my family. All of you will be in heaven with me. That you may proclaim his praise, the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's like Jesus calling Lazarus out. Lazarus come out. Lazarus is in darkness in the cave. He comes out and all he sees is Jesus standing in front of him. You are called out of darkness. You are called out of darkness to be God's own special people. Every single one of us in this room should have the kingdom of God on our minds. We should have Jesus front and center. We should ask ourselves the way I'm building and structuring my house, how does that relate back to Jesus? The way I'm structuring my business, I'm not, and people say that your business has to tithe. God has no relationship with your business, He has a relationship with you. And some people do that and put that in their business and they decide to give it to you ultimately that gives. God has a relationship. How, so I'm not saying to you, take half of your business, give it to the church. Please don't do that. It's too much admin. What I'm saying to you is how do you structure your business to have Jesus reflected in your business? How do you structure your marriage and the raising of your kids, your schedule? How does your schedule reflect Jesus? You are a chosen people called out that you may show his, proclaim his praises. The called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's read verse 10 and we'll quit. Who once were not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And now I want to read 11 Beloved, I beg you sojourners and programs, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. God's telling you, move away from things that would distract you. You are to bring glory and praise to Jesus. We do that collectively and as a group of people together. We come together, we worship, we celebrate, we raise our hands. When we sing a song, lift up holy hands, you're not lifting up actual holy hands. You're actually lifting up holy hands made holy by Jesus because Jesus died for you. None of us are standing in here sinless, but when we do, then we leave this place. We go to our businesses. We go to our careers, and we don't pursue money. We pursue the glory of God. And God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. When you pursue his kingdom, let God worry about your clothing. Let God worry about your finances. It'll come in in the right time. If you do what you do, do it well. He says, everything that you do, do it as unto the Lord. Tomorrow morning when you go to schools, do it as unto the Lord. When your, your friends begin to make jokes that's, that, that violates God's word, stand there and, and be a witness and say, that's not funny. Let me tell you a funny joke. And then you, you, you navigate those things as if you want to bring glory to God. Be a person that when people see you, now that we are that, now that we are that, how does that begin to manifest in the world around us? I want to get into that tonight, and then next week, the pastor's who's preaching. How does it look, the church, what is it supposed to look like, the people of the church, in our workplaces, in our schools, communities? How does it look in the gathering of the saints together? What does that look like?